0: Chapter 18, uh, praise the Lord for the opportunity to work with kids, and uh, you know, I trust as we continue on in that, we'll see our numbers increase year by year, and, and uh, Lord willing, our influence in the community because of that, uh, because of that ministry. Many, that came, that the Amen, good. That's great. Did you hear that? The Arias, areas, is that what it homeschool group. homeschool group, a homeschool family. They, uh, they said that this was the best VBS they'd been to this year. So praise the Lord for that. Even in years past. Oh, even in years past? Well, good. I, uh, I'm glad. And um, Elizabeth doesn't like me saying much about her, but she did a, always does a great job in putting that together. And all the decorations were awesome too. Appreciate everyone's work in that. Well, Exodus chapter eighteen. Exodus chapter eighteen. I'm going to read the entire chapter, and as I said, I just want to look at at the qualifications uh, that that Jethro gave here. He, he's given Moses some advice, and it's good advice. Um, so every once in a while, we should listen to our father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't have to all the time. All right. Chapter verse one says, when Jethro, the priest of Midian, mother's, or Moses's father-in-law heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses's father-in-law took Zipporah, Moses's wife, after he had sent her back And her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for the the God of my father said he was mine help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses in the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am come unto thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father in law and did obeisance and kissed him, and they asked each other of their welfare, welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father in law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. And out of the hand of Pharaoh, and hath delivered the people out or from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. That's an awesome verse right there. For in the things they dealt proudly, he was above them. In all of their might and strength, he was above them. He, they were nothing to him. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God, and Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. And when Moses', Moses father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto evening? even? And Moses said unto his father in law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter they come unto me, and I judge between one and the other, or one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice, I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people, Able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place over them or place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people that at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge, so it shall be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall, go, or shall also go to their place in peace. And Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel, and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons, the hard causes they brought unto Moses, but the very small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the music, for the children singing this evening. Lord, I want to praise you for uh, victory. Lord, we sing, I want that mountain verse says, I know I'm going to win, Lord. So it's fact that we know that uh, you've won the victory. Lord, I ask that you would guide us tonight as we look at these men that were chosen. Lord, use your word to speak to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So uh, a side note, I I was going to mention this earlier and I forgot. So I saw in the news this past week that archaeologists have found human heads that are are very large (laughs) they're abnormally large and and they're scratching their heads trying to figure this out i love it when they get stumped and it's it's so plain in the word of god they just can't figure out where these giant heads came from well go back and read genesis and exodus and you'll figure it out that so we saying i want that mountain it's where the giants lived they were big men goliath's head must have been enormous the man was over nine foot tall and he weighed 400 and some odd pounds. His head was <laughs> huge. It would stump archaeologists today if they don't believe in the Bible. I, it's amazing to me. I, I just want to call them up and say, hey, uh, I, know, I know the truth for you. And I haven't been to your schools. Uh, I haven't figured out how to date all those things billions and billions of years old like you do. I can tell you it was just a few year, thousand years ago. But uh, we were singing the song, I Want That Mountain Tonight, and that's, that came back to my mind. The world is willingly ignorant, the Bible says. Uh, and uh, I've heard that called dumb on purpose, and that's kind of what it is. All right, so, so Jethro comes to Moses here and gives some advice. And, and uh, it's interesting to me, we, we see that Moses is setting in, before the people, and from sunup to sundown, they're bringing their cases before him. And can you imagine being the one judge over three million people, so give or take, you know, a few, however many there was in the in the camp there at that time, even if it was only a million people, there's one person to sit and judge over all of that. And uh, Jethro comes and it says he comes up and they have a little conversation. How you doing? We're doing well. And they, you know, uh, they have their pleasantries and then they go into the tents and Moses starts telling Jethro all that God has done uh, from his time going back to Egypt until now and, and the just the mighty hand of God working in his life. And Jethro makes that statement. Uh, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, is verse 10, and out of the hand of Pharaoh who hath delivered the people from under the hand of Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For the in the thing wherein thou dost. Del- Dealt proudly, wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. Uh, I love those two verses. But Jethro sees the hand of God, and he and he understands. Maybe maybe this is when he understood. I don't. I don't I'm not going to argue with the person on whether Jethro worshipped the true God, and there's some debate on that. I I personally think he did. Um, I, I but I don't know for sure. I'm not going to argue that. But he said right there, I know that this that the God you serve is above all others. He made that statement. But as he's watching Moses, he sees Moses wearing himself out. And as a concerned father-in-law, he looks and he goes, you can't keep this up. This is not wise what you're doing. This is not good. You cannot sit over these people and judge every matter. And so he brings some good advice. He says, listen, delegate some of this. Start getting those over thousands and hundreds and tens and fifties and tens. Set up uh, some other people here to, to take these smaller cases and judge in them. And, uh, and so he says, he gives us good advice, but he gives some qualifications for these men that are going to set up and judge the set, the men that are going to set up and serve God. I, I know that we don't have such a thing today. All right. I praise the Lord that I'm not the judge. <laughs> and that's, that's not the position of a pastor. I can give counsel. I can give advice, but I'm not the judge. We can go to God, and He can judge directly for us today. We, we don't live under the law as they did. But um, these men were put into a place of service. And that's what I want us, want us to see tonight, whether it's, whether it's judging over the people of Israel or if it's a place of service for the Lord. And as I thought about that, when I apply it that way, this, these qualifications then fall on every one of us because we all have a place in the service of God. We all are to be following Him and serving Him and giving Him our all. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. I am I, no more a servant of God than you are, and you are no more a servant of God than I am. If we are redeemed tonight, we're His servant. We're to be serving Him and, and walking with Him. And, and these qualifications should then be in our lives. And, and it's simple. It's not, it's not deep theology tonight, He said, verse 21, moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, and this is what makes them able, such as fear God. Such as fear God. Well, first of all, to serve God, I just said it, you have to know him as your Savior. That's the first step in fearing God. You, when you under, When you truly fear him as as a lost person you're going to give your heart and soul to him. It's that understanding of who he is and where you are and and the need that you have. I do not believe you can fear God and not be his child. You cannot fear God and not accept him as your savior you can You can understand some things and reject him, but if you fear God, you're going to follow him so first of all this this qualification is that you know the Lord is your savior. you can't serve him outside of being his child. Let's look at some words of David. Let's see what he said in Second Samuel chapter 23. <clears throat> he talks about fearing the Lord. Verses 1 through 4. Verse 1 says, Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel, said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake unto me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning. When the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds is a tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. It's interesting thought. <laughs> That's, he said the one that ruleth must rule in the fear of God. We looked at Paul this morning. His, his service was by the grace of God. It's the same thing. It's a dependence on God. It's needing Him to guide, not ruling because I'm the king, not ruling because I have authority or because I have some kind of ability, but ruling because I fear the Lord. But it says the king that does that, so can we apply it to the servant of God? The servant of God that serves in the fear of God, he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain." refreshing is what that is that is that is uplifting that's pleasant when we serve the lord in the fear of the lord that's what it says the king that that ruled in the fear of the lord he was to his people as the the grass coming up the fresh grass coming up after a rain as the sun coming out of the clouds that those first sunlight the rays of sunlight that come down and warm us and are so pleasant i picture this just beautiful meadow setting in sunlight and a light breeze blowing. That's, that's the picture. Boy, if we can just stop depending on ourself and, and serve the Lord, we can be that to other people. That's edifying then. That's lifting someone up. That is my job. <laughs> that is your job. That's That's one of the reasons you're supposed to, one of the reasons you should have come here with in mind, I'll get it spit out, is that you're going to edify one another. (laughs) I wonder how many times I've been grass coming up out of the ground, a sunlight to other people, a source of of refreshment, a source of encouragement. Is it, is it something that I, I guarantee you, I cannot say it's every day of my life, but it is it is is that the way we're perceived? It's this idea that I'm serving the Lord in the fear of the lord if i if I'm going to be set up to serve him, I have to be fearing God, trusting him, reverencing him. The fear of the Lord speaks of humility. if I fear him i'm not I'm not worried about myself i'm not I'm not trusting in myself. It's a total dependence on God. And then it says they fear Him, they fear God, and they're men of truth. So the first qualification is fear God. The second qualification is honesty. <laughs> Boy, we want our judges to be honest. This is why we're so frustrated in politics today, because is there an honest man in Washington, D.C.? I know there are a few, but they're hard to find over there. In politics in general, where do we find honest people? It's difficult. It's difficult. Jethro said, listen, if you're going to set them up, they, they need to be men of truth. Men of truth. We find truth right here. So I can say they are so men of the book. They're men that walk with God. But can it be said of you that you're honest? My grandfather, my mom's dad, name was Orville Earl. He passed away back in 2004, I believe it was. There was one thing that was always known to my grandpa. He was a cowboy he was a hard worker he ranched foreman for most of his life and loved his horses but if you if you talk to anyone if you mentioned orville earl they said the man's handshake was his bond he was honest they knew when he said something he was going to do everything he could do to fulfill that promise and, and I, I can testify as a child and as a young man watching him, I saw that every day of his life. He was a man of determined integrity. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do, no matter what it cost him. And I saw it cost him some things. I saw, it, I saw it be a sacrifice to him to keep his word, but he was honest. And I always appreciated that about him, one of my heroes in life was my grandpa earl but he was honest can it be said of us proverbs chapter 11 proverbs chapter 11 verse 2 says (coughs) excuse me verse 3 verse 3 well, let's go ahead and start with one. A lot of chapter 11 speaks of honesty. Verse 1 says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord. That is a dishonest person. A false balance is one that gives a wrong reading. So he's not being honest. He's an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is, de- is his delight. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. The integrity of the upright shall guide them but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. The integrity of the upright, that's honesty. That's, that's, I knew my Grandpa Earl was the same when he was by himself as he was in a crowd. I watched him by himself. I, I as a little child, got to see him in moments when he didn't know I could see him. I got to watch him and, and see what he did. And I knew that he was the same then as he was in front of people. The man that walked into First Baptist Church in Wheatland, Wyoming, and sat down in the pew was the same man that went out and broke horses in in the week during the week. The same one that that uh, worked cattle every day of his life, in the heat and in the cold and in some very difficult times. He had integrity. The Bible says. We are to be people of integrity 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 21 He said this very simply, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. In all that we do, providing things honest, being truthful. Romans chapter 12, verse 7. We're going to look at a few references here. Romans chapter 12, verse 7. That's not the right verse verse 17 chapter 12 verse 17 says recompense to no man evil for evil provide things honest in the sight of all men provide things honest in the sight of all men have integrity have integrity let it be known that you're honest boy working out in the world there's nobody on the crew that the boss should trust more than those that know the Lord. The Christian should be the one that is known to do right no matter what. When I was working in Temple, I was working for the city, and I got on the sign crew, and they had me inventory our sign uh, storage. I don't know. Every time they didn't have anything for us to do, I guess, if they wanted me a, to go do something, they, they sent me into the, into the warehouse and I counted the signs that we had, the blanks, the just pieces of aluminum, different sizes, different shapes, and I counted them. And I would come back and I would give them the most accurate count I could give of everything I had and they would just toss it because it didn't match anything that the city had and they didn't want to have to, to let the, the people know that the inventory for the last 15 years had been wrong. I couldn't even provide things honest. They said, well, we're not going to give them that list. And I said, why did I go do it? But Monte would send or Monto would send me back because he knew when I counted, I was going to do my very best. That's nothing to lift myself up, but it is the it is the the um, testimony that we should have out in the world. Boy, when I go to work for someone, they should know they can trust me to, d- to give my best when I mess something up, to be honest about it. I've had some mess-ups in different jobs passed over my life that cost my bosses some, some major money. I burned up $8,000 worth of windows one day. Had to go to my boss and say, I'm sorry. But I went to him because it was the honest thing to do. And he fumed and fussed and cussed a little bit, and and uh, was pretty despondent. And then the next day, he, I have a job still. Why? Because I was honest with them. Even in my mistakes, I, I just said, "Listen, I'm sorry. I was not paying attention to this one thing." Do they know they can trust us? Are we honest? First Peter, chapter two. It wasn't Steve, by the way, that this was, this was years ago, years ago. I think I was 19 when that happened, so about 10 years ago, <laughs> give or take. 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 and 12 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstained from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. My lifestyle then, not just the things that I say, but all that I do. That's what the word conversation means. It's not simply what I tell them, but everything that I do, that I provide that before them honest. So that they glorify God in the day of visitation. (laughs) That they glorify God because they saw him leading in your life guiding in your life You know what that man walked with God And I could trust him in everything that he did I admired his integrity his honesty his character I hope that's our I hope that's our reputation in all that we do Doesn't mean you have to be the best Worker, they have you don't you might not be the most talented worker they have but you can be the most faithful and most honest that they have and God will always bless that will always bless that they were to be honest can you imagine if they got a dishonest man over thousands and he was sitting there judging them he could have easily taken advantage of the people he could have easily steered them away from God So these people had a place of of importance, and Christian, we do too. As we walk through this world, we have a reputation that is Jesus Christ. We are to be salt and light in this world, so we have to be men and women that are honest, men and women of integrity, able men, able to serve. He said that they were honest, and then he said, that they hate covetousness. Kind of goes hand in hand. But he said, men of truth, hating covetousness. Hating covetousness. First Timothy was written to Timothy. It was written about his ministry as a pastor. Uh, First Timothy chapter 6. We're going to read verse 1 through 12. Speaks of finances. And verse 10 is a very, very famous verse. But this speaks of covetousness. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputing of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. So, from covetousness, from looking to gain, withdraw yourself. Supposing that, that godliness is gain. I'm sorry, that gain is godliness. Better get that right. Godliness is gain. But that gain is godliness. When we see, when we see uh, our banking account grow, well, God's blessing me. It must be godliness. Not if I'm seeking that. Because, so he said, from those people withdraw yourself, but godliness with contentment is great gain. <laughs> the riches is in contentment, in godliness, being content to walk with God. Uh, that's, that statement is almost an oxymoron to me. To be content to walk with God. There's nothing greater than walking with God. So it shouldn't be hard to be content to walk with God. We're of all men most blessed when we walk with him. He said it is great gain. It's, it's the riches of this life that, that we can't find anywhere else. Contentment is fulfillment. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many hurt, foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in perdition, or destruction and perdition. You know, this is where compromise comes in a church. This is where we start to see our music standards change. This is where we start to see our stand on the King James Bible change. We start accepting a watered down gospel. Why? Because it brings more people in. Because it appeals to the flesh. You know, if we, if we took this choir loft down and put a drum set over here in the corner... And a little darker lighting and we started having a worship team up here. I promise you we'd fill these empty seats. It appeals to the flesh. But it's covetousness. It's not godliness. Godliness is to be separate from this world. So we we stick with the King James Version of the Bible because why? We know it's the perfect word of God. We stick with the old hymns. Why? Because they glorify God. They don't glorify the singer, they glorify him. They that be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which it says drown men in destruction and perdition. Think about the last line of that verse. So what's going on in America today is drowning men in perdition and destruction. I'm being judgmental this morning or this evening. Listen, those things that water down the gospel, that, that take away our standards and, and this easy believism, all this movement that's going on today, is drowning men in destruction. It's causing them to die without knowing Christ. They've got a false assurance. Well, I feel good when I go in the church. It 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 makes me feel good. My emotions are happy when I leave. It's not the truth of the gospel, though. So when when we... Put people in place of leadership who are covetous and they start to just fill the seats. Then it causes destruction. It causes perdition. A lot to answer for if we do that. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, wherein thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Hate covetousness. The love of, all, love of money is the root of all evil. It is, it is what causes us to err from the faith. And he's talking to a preacher here. <laughs> Timothy, this is what you have to be careful about. Christians, it's what we have to be careful of. We can so easily fall into covetousness and start allowing things because it makes, makes it a little bit easier. We wanted numbers here. We could do it. Are we trying to serve God? Or are we serving ourselves? These men were to be without covetousness. They were to hate it. <laughs> These were men that were to serve in a position honestly fearing god and striving to please him not to elevate themselves at all they were not there for their own gain hate covetousness these are able men these are ones that can serve i wonder if we're able if we're set up to serve these were to be godly men and it's amazing they had a testimony that they would serve faithfully You know, he went out and sought among the people and found them. There was those men in Israel at the time. He found those men and set them up to judge. If a call were to come today to serve the Lord, are we able? Are we able men and women to serve him? If we want to be used by God, we must strive for this testimony. I'm going to close with Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, verse 8. job had a great testimony this astounds me every time i think about it but job's testimony was so that when satan before went before god god brought him up (laughs) That, that's, that's amazing to me. God says, listen, have you, have you seen Job? Have you seen this man? He, he of all men, he, he goes, uh, the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Could God say that about us? When Satan goes before the Lord, does God say, You considered that man right there? He's a perfect man. He fears God. He eschews evil. He strives to please me. That's his testimony. I wonder what our testimony would be. What would God say about us? Are we fearing him? Is my life lived in reverence to God, submission to God? Allowing him to lead? Am I honest in all things? Is my word my bond? Is my life truth? <laughs> Is what I do honest before people? And do I hate covetousness? Do I hate covetousness? And Then I'm not looking to elevate myself. I'm not to looking to further myself in anything. I'm here to serve. That should be our testimony. That's the testimony of these men. And I was challenged by it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word again tonight. Father, we are uh, thankful for your